Folks, welcome back to Principium Spoken, the podcast version of the Principium magazine. Um, somewhat less official of a podcast, something less set in stone, uh, something that I kind of do just every once in a while when I decide I want to do a podcast rather than write something down. Um, and you know, I've been doing a lot more writing than podcasting. Those of you that know me from the Classic Life podcast will have noticed by now I'm not really doing much on the podcast front. Uh, and that's due to a couple of things, due to just busyness in my life, um, due to a lot of other things, some plans I have been working on for the podcast. But also, I just am very, very busy. But on top of all of that, I have also deeply fallen back in love with the idea of writing, something that I've been doing for a lot longer than podcasting, and I feel as if my time podcasting has actually made my writing much better than it ever was before, um, both fictionally and uh, non-fictionally, and so I've been really diving into the magazine, the Substack that I have, um, because I just enjoy that a whole lot more, I think, than podcasting. I still like podcasting. I think it's beneficial for me to uh, speak my ideas, talk them out loud. It, it, it has serves a, a different purpose, um, but I enjoy that very much, but not nearly as much as I enjoy writing, I don't think. Um, nevertheless, I wanted to do this particular one as a podcast rather than as um, an article because I think people might listen to podcasts more than read I think is is just a fact of the matter because people don't like to read much anymore. So like to sit down and listen to a podcast, um, whether they don't sit down because they don't have to. You do kind of have to sit down, pull out a book, pull up an article and read. But you can listen to a podcast when you're doing many other things. I think that's a shame um, because I think, and this is something that I deal with and struggle with myself, uh, that I've been trying to do more, is instead of sitting down and, and watching a movie or, or watching a video or something like that, sitting down and actually reading um, because we just simply don't read. Even audiobooks are great, and I love audiobooks, but I think it does a disservice to our um, mental health, not in the, the same sense as the term is normally used, as in you're sick in the mind, but rather just our our mental acuity suffers when we don't actually sit down and read because it takes much more concentration and focus to sit down and read something that is typed out. Because anybody can also sit down and listen to something, but there's just a difference there. And I think everybody knows that implicitly, but I don't think we do much with them. Anyways, all that to say, I'm doing this one as a podcast, I guess, to contribute to that uh, degeneracy in our psychological abilities. But it also is more easily disseminated. Anyways, I, I think it's a very brief idea that I had, and I stumbled upon it through another video, actually. Uh, somebody else made a video about this, and it was very interesting to me. Because it's not something that we talk about, especially, you know, my audience, um, an audience of Christian conservative people um, are kind of, they deal with this a lot more in various different senses. And that is speaking the truth in love. There is an idea around that we have to speak the truth in love, right? And, and that's true, right? We do have to do that. Um, but I think we have kind of conflated that speaking the truth is always speaking the truth in love, 
And I just don't think that's true at all. I think because we're told to love the truth and because we're told that Jesus is the truth and because we have these ideas about what is true, that we automatically conflate them that truth is equal to love. And I would say that that is probably mostly true. It's like true things are obviously better than false things. Hence, one is true and one is false. But I don't necessarily know that saying a true thing is always better than saying a false thing because a lot of it depends on the context of the thing and also a lot of it depends on the way in which you deliver it. And we have this notion, that, you know, with the suffering of transgenderism, of the LGBTQ propaganda that's spread around, all of the feminist news, all of the things, there's just a lot of bad information out there. There's just a lot of bad ideas, and that's not good, obviously, because they're false ideas. And so we need to be living in a culture that honors the truth. However, because of this idea that speaking the truth is equal to speaking the truth in love— we, I think we do ourselves a lot of damage. We do a lot of bad things in the name of, oh, well, I'm speaking the truth to this person. It's just tough love. They need to hear the truth. Yes, they do need to hear the truth, but they need to hear the truth in the, topper, in the proper time and place and in the proper manner. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that we are supposed to speak truth in love and later on that we are supposed to only say what is edifying what in, in its proper moment. And what does edifying mean? You know, it means encouraging, but it, it, I mean, an edifice is what it's referring to. And an edifice is a strong protection or shelter. It's a wall. So edifying is upbuilding their inner wall is essentially what that means. You're only supposed to speak the truth in such a way and at such a time as it will build up their inner defenses against lies and against falseness and against wickedness and evilness. That is what Paul is saying. He's not just saying, well, whatever you say, just say the truth all the time, no matter what. If my girlfriend was to come up and ask me uh, something about, do I look ugly today, or, or something along those lines, I would never say, yeah, you do. You look hideous. Like, that, that's just not something that would, I would ever say for a multitude of reasons. But am I now not speaking the truth? Am I lying yeah, I mean, kind of, if she does actually look hideous or ugly, but fortunately for me, she never does. So it doesn't matter anyways. But my point is, there are times all the time when we lie or when we are very careful. I mean, I don't even want to say that there's times that we lie all the time. I mean, maybe some people do lie all the time. There are times that I, I, I can't think off the top of my head when I blatantly and obviously lied to something. You find ways, when you actually love somebody, you find ways to couch the truth in such a manner as it won't be offensive to them. Except when we're dealing with people who are of the opposite political or ideological or beliefs of us. Then we really don't care and we say, oh, well, the truth is the truth no matter what, and I'm going to say the truth because the truth is the truth. But we don't do that to people on our own side who we actually care about. But one of the things we're told to do in Scripture is to love our enemies. And when we love our enemies, we are careful to make sure that when we speak the truth to them, they will receive the truth. But if you're just blatantly shouting out truth at them that you know will be offensive, and the reason you say the truth to them is to be offensive, then that is the opposite of love. Then you're actually hating them because you're using the truth as a stumbling block for them, which I think is more heinous than lying. When you attack somebody with the truth so for the sole purpose of making them get irritated and uh, 
you know, fact checking or owning the libs with fact and logic and, or crushing the snowflakes. I did. When you do it like that, you're using the truth as a stumbling block, which I think is very heinous. It's a very heinous thing to do, but we do it all the time because it makes good clickbait content or it makes you feel good and smug about yourself. But if you have a friend that's really suffering with something that you know, like a, an idea that is false, you don't just come up to them. I mean, at least you shouldn't. I hope you don't. Maybe some people do. I think it's a terrible thing to do. But what you typically don't do is just own them with facts and logic. You, you sit them down and you try to understand why they've come to the conclusions that they've come to. And then you try to parse out the truth in love for the purposes of edification. But we don't. Why don't we do that with people who disagree with us? Who typically, we have a bigger obligation and a stronger desire and a stronger motivation. We should have a stronger motivation for them to come to the truth, because they don't have the truth at all at any level. People who don't believe in Christ, people who don't believe in uh, Christianity, they the truth is not in them. And instead of speaking to them truth in love we say that the truth is love and so and that that's the kind of mental fortress we build around our own motivation saying that oh well truth is love but it d in most conversations with somebody or debates with somebody when they are of the opposite opinion of you it matters more how you say something than actually what you say i think because people will always remember how you make them feel and so if you're speaking the truth in such a way as makes them feel vulnerable, makes them feel as if they've had a productive conversation, that they were heard, that, and that they were actually listening to you, that will go a whole lot longer than somebody who says, oh, well, everything about the way you live your life is wrong because of X, Y, Z. Don't you even know about Soviet history? Don't you even know about this? Don't you even, haven't you ever read the Bible? Don't you know that men can't be women and women can't be men? Things that are obviously true. But if you say them in this vicious way, all they will remember is that, oh, the people, the kind of person who believes X, Y, Z makes me feel X, Y, Z kind of way. The kind of person that believes in the Bible and believes in this and knows about history and doesn't accept transgenderism, whatever, when they speak to me, all they ever do is give me negative feelings. All they ever do is make me offended with maybe even myself. They make me hate myself even more than I already do in most cases. And so I'm just going to disassociate from those people. I think that that might be, I don't know, I'm not a theologian, I'm not any anything. I think, well, there's a whole reason, there's a whole slew of reasons, I'm sure, why we're told to love our enemies. But I am positive that that is one of them. Because we rarely treat our enemies with love. But if we want to convince them of our ideas, if we want them to have a revelation of who Jesus is, they need to perceive us as Christ-like. We need to be able to speak to them in edifying manners. The context of the verse in Ephesians is largely about within our own churches, making sure that you're speaking truth and love to people. But I think that applies outside of them as well. But even in the context of the church, the church is not any specific body. I mean, like, my church that I attend is not the only church. There's other churches. And in a broader sense, the body of Christ at large is the church. And if I want to subsume somebody into that church, I have to treat them in a certain manner. And I have to speak to them in certain ways so that they will even be willing to do that in the first place. But I think that we all suffer from that. I mean, I know I suffer from it. I am much more likely to have a thought-out, reasoned, rational, and loving conversation with somebody from my church, one of my friends, if I think that they have a bad idea, than I am a just some crazy person at my college. But that's not right. 
I think at least that's maybe it's just a conviction that I have, but I see it all over. Many conservatives, especially conservative pundits and political speakers and activists, they make their reputations off of how well they own libs with facts and logic and and destroy stupid college kid. But does that do anything for us? Especially if those conservatives are also the conservatives that are religious as well, which is proportionately larger than Democrats who are religious. But is that a good strategy to actually do what we're called to do. I mean, I think politics is important. I think our culture is very important. But that's like a secondary mission to the primary goal. It might be a first step towards the ultimate mission, which is, I mean, that's why our primary, uh, our bases of existence isn't God, country, family. It's God, family, country. So, the, I mean, I think there are steps. But one of the things you there is a stepping stone process and and typically people are more likely to make a logical conversion to conservatism than they will straight to Christianity. However, that's also not true. Sometimes it happens the other way around. But the point being is the way you know how to discuss things with somebody is you actively use the Holy Spirit and you speak to them in love. And I think if you're obviously walking step in step with the Holy Spirit, you're much more likely to even speak to somebody in love in the first place because you will have a vision of people that is from God. And we know that, you know, despite all of our own faults, God loves us very much. And if we can't do that, then all we will ever get is the resounding gong that Paul talks about. If you, without love, everything is just a gong clapping together, making baseless and musicless sounds. And that's certainly how we want to not live our lives. So I think we need to be sure of and make sure that we make the distinctions that speaking the truth is not equal to speaking the truth in love. They're not the same things. Truth is obviously a necessary component for speaking in love, but it's not a sufficient one. You know, there's, there's the principles of logic that go along that you need a necessary and a sufficient cause. If you're speaking the truth, that is necessary to speaking the truth in love, obviously. But it's not sufficient because you also have to have love. And if you don't have love for the person you're communing with, then that's then you will not be speaking the truth in love. I think this is a difference between somebody whose name is Jason Evert, and he does a great job uh, speaking with people and debunking the ideas of transgenderism. And I think he does a much better job than does somebody like Matt Walsh, who I'm a fan of. I like Matt Walsh, but he certainly does not speak the truth in love. He's at least, I don't know, because I can't judge his motivations. I can't judge his heart. But typically, the way he addresses people is very different than some, than this guy, Jason Evert. And funnily enough, they're both Catholics, right? So it's not like there's a huge different philosophical worldview. They both claim the same tenets of belief. But Jason Evert, I think, has a much more successful position doing it because of the speaking truth in love. He speaks the truth in love. Matt Walsh just speaks the truth. And the thing is, they're both speaking truth, right? But Matt Walsh, I'm sure, gets heaps and heaps of more hate mail than Jason Everett probably ever does. Because, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but you'd have to listen to each of them to understand what I'm talking about. Many of you, I'm sure, know who Matt Walsh is. Uh, many of you probably don't know who Jason Everett is. That's because he he creates much or significantly less um, attention to himself because of the position that he takes is the same, but the way in which he takes it is very different. 
And I think one of them is much more effective than the other. I think Matt Walsh does good things, obviously, and he's speaking truth, but he's not doing it in love. So that's pretty much what was on my mind today. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this. hope you gained something from it. Maybe, like I said, maybe this is just a personal conviction of mine, but maybe some of you feel that way too. And I think it's an important thing uh, to keep on our minds as we go out and discuss uh, very important things, the, the first principles of existence with people uh, to make sure that we're doing it in the proper connotation and that we don't fall into the trap that speaking the truth is the same thing as speaking the truth in love. Because, I mean, we know that the truth will set us free, right? But we need to make sure that it's also going to be edifying for the person. We can't use the truth as a stumbling block for somebody, uh, which I think is often the case when we're simply just yelling the truth at people without any regard for any of the other conditions sufficient to having a flourishing and edifying conversation with somebody. So hope you guys enjoyed this, and I'll see you next time on the Principium Spoken Podcast.